What is up guys? I am Michael Hunter. With me as always is the chimp flying just the two of us this week. Uh, gonna take a look at the tournament, gonna take a look ahead, take a look back. So far it's been a very interesting, very fun tournament, I believe. Um, certain things that, you know, neither one of us really saw coming. Um, a bit of news today and something that we or I had talked about on some other podcasts was, you know, if Shaka Smark loses in the first round of this tournament, you know, is his time at Texas done? That question today was answered where Shaka Smart, maybe the most inconsistent coach of the last three, four, five years, goes to Marquette, which is one of the most inconsistent programs of the last three, four, five years. Um, Jim, before we get into the tournament, any thoughts on, on Shaka, you know, heading to, heading to Wisconsin? Um... I wasn't. I wasn't surprised yeah. uh, after the Abilene Christian disaster. Um, I, I wasn't surprised at all, and it's just one of those deals with Shaka where I, I don't know. Every time it looked like he was going to get over the hump, and the whole Texas is back thing, yeah. he would. He would just. He just could not quite get over the hump. Wins the Big Twelve tournament mm -hmm. and then promptly lo promptly loses to Abilene Christian and listen those people at Texas they're not about losing to Abilene Christian in anything <laughs> so I, I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't surprised at all yeah this is a golden parachute type situation for Shaka um, you know take the take the offer from a you know still a, a good you know quality basketball program. And get out of get out of Austin before you get fired. So, um, kind of reminds me of of Josh Pastner at Memphis. To be perfectly honest with you, um, he got out of Memphis and went to G Tech before he ended up getting fired. But you look five years later, you know Josh Pastner has Georgia Tech in the NCAA tournament. So we'll see what happens there. And that that's part of the coaching uh, thing that is not often talked about is staying one step ahead. Yeah. And the the Pastner example is fantastic. He Memphis had had enough of him. He he wasn't going to get it done there. He bolts to Tech. I love the comparison, but you know, as a coach, you, you have to to know and you have to stay one step ahead if you want to stay in the business. So, I, and listen, I wish Shaka the best at Marquette. Yeah, me too. I think it's actually a pretty good match. I think he's going to be able to recruit to Marquette. Um, you know, I thought Wojo recruited fairly well to Marquette. I think Shaka is a whole different animal. He should be able to recruit even better. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I think it's a good fit, to be perfectly honest. I think the style that he wants to play works at Marquette. Um, I think, you know, if he does things at Marquette like he did this year at Texas, he'll be fine. But Texas, you know, Shaka wasn't that much different than what Rick Barnes was when he was at Texas. He'll get you to the tournament. Um, he's going to put some talent on the floor but rarely does anything with it. I think the only time Rick Barnes ever did a whole lot was with LaMarcus Aldridge and Booby Gibson um, back in the day. Um, I want to talk a little bit, obviously we're going to talk about the tournament as well. I guess, you know, any, um, you know, we talked about this pre-show, pre Chimp. Nobody wants to hear about the wins, but they want to hear about your terrible losses as far as wagers go. Um, you know, my... In my best win, I thought my easiest win, I said all week last week, was that Syracuse was going to beat the shit out of San Diego State. And that's exactly what happened. Buddy Beheim with a with a hot hand. My biggest loss was I, I didn't think... I thought that Coach Mike Young would coach circles around Mike White in the uh, Virginia Tech-Florida uh, game. And Virginia Tech just couldn't close it out. 
Um, got into some foul trouble. Elaine hits you know a big shot at the end. They go to overtime. Eventually fall when they lose Mutz and Elaine. But um, I really didn't entertain the thought of the Hokies doing anything but winning that game. And that was that was maybe my worst loss. I did uh, I, I scored a nice parlay on Ohio Creighton and I want to say Gonzaga. I can't remember who the third third team on that leg was that I originally had, but that was a nice win for me at plus four oh eight. Um, any any bad beats for you over the course of the weekend? There's always bad beats, man. Always, <laughs> you know. I had a lot of wagers going. The one that, that – there were a few that really stung. One was the uh, Cal Santa Barbara. Yep. Creighton. And you were obviously on the other side of that with your parlay, and I was very happy for you to catch the plus 408. That was beautiful. But I had uh, – I got this – I had it written down. I had Cal Santa Barbara at plus 260 on the money line. Really thought they would win that game. So, you know, guy can't make a layup. That hurt. But – the totals is where the beats occurred for me. Yeah. Uh, the Oklahoma Missouri game. I had that in, I think, three different parlays. I kind of wheeled it to use some dog betting parlance uh, there. Uh, the total is 140. Mm-hmm. And they had 53 points up at the half. Okay. So all I have to do is dodge an 87 points second half and a guy hits two free throws with one second on the clock and it lands right on 140 (laughs) so so it takes a it it takes a three-gamer down to a two-gamer it takes a two-gamer down to an individual bet so that one as far as you know numbers wise units go that one stung uh quite a bit and then i also had under in the North Texas game, total yeah. was 127. Yeah, total was 127. They're playing in Lucas Oil Stadium, that huge cavernous building. Neither team very good on offense. So I'm at, I'm at under 127. <laughs> they put up almost over, 150. Over, <laughs> yeah, they, they go to overtime at, at 61-61. You know, I, just, I, I did have North Texas on the money line to win the game, but – that that was another total. So those two totals and the Cal Santa Barbara. Those were the beats for me. Yeah, I think the only total I played in the first round was, uh, I'm sorry, it was the second round actually. It was Oregon State versus Oklahoma State. I took the over. I cannot remember what it was, but I think it was. Let's see. That was a, that was 150. I think it was 152 and a half. I think was the total. I took the over, and they you know of course they go, they get to 150. In a game that was not not at all what I anticipated it to be at all, um, <clears throat> I, I didn't place a whole lot of wagers. I, I threw some stuff out there, which if I just would have if I would have bet the way that I picked for tally site over the first round, it would have been great. Or for the second round, I should say, you know, tally site I got sixty eight percent right and hit seven trifectas as far as the win, the spread, and the total. But of course, I didn't bet all those games. So, yeah, that, that's just kind of how my luck runs. I'm kind of a mush. But um, what do you think, uh, you know, I, I said this on, on multiple um, podcasts and shows as well. Fran McCaffrey, 10 NCAA tournaments, never made it past the first weekend. Once again, he gets his doors blown off on the round of 32 to an Oregon team that puts up 95. Um, Iowa, even with, you know, arguably the best player in the country, can't keep up with 
with the Ducks. Did was that was that an easy one to see coming for you? Do you think when you're talking about Iowa, Jim? Well, first let me say this: I'm going to do something on here that you you rarely ever hear. Is I'm just going to flat out say I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> about about Iowa, I, uh, I I thought they would go deep, um, and that that was that game wasn't close. No, it was just an absolute. It was a beatdown, and the only red flag I had with Iowa was. The Bohannon thing. Yeah. You know, he running his mouth. I even, you know, DM'd you about it. Man, you know, the tournament's going, you don't need that kind of thing. And he's always been kind of a, kind of a smart ass his yeah. whole entire career. So that would have been the only red flag. But I mean, I thought Iowa was, was going to go and play Gonzaga again. So I was just completely wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to that game. I thought Gonzaga would have won that game. But, you know, Iowa hung with them a little bit in that first game and ended up losing by a total of 11. So that was a matchup that I wanted to see. I think that matchup would be a lot juicier than than any of the three teams left in the West region. I think they're going to blow Creighton's doors off. And then, you know, USC is interesting because they got a big-time front court, but Gonzaga can still shoot the shit out of the ball. And, you know, Oregon... I'm not sure that's a great matchup for Oregon either. So I think right now Gonzaga is looking really, really healthy to get to the Final Four. Um, one team that has surprised me is USC. You know, I gave I gave them a lot of shit over the course of the season because they didn't really play anybody. They didn't play a great schedule. And, I mean, they're in the first two games, they're winning by 25 points per game. These Mobley kids are like vacuums on the glass. Um, I'm not sure they're going to beat Oregon. I think if I do place a bet on this game... I'm going to take Oregon money line. Um, I believe that is going to be the unjuiced, the the not juiced side. I think right now USC is a two and a half point favorite, so I might be able to get one, uh, you know, plus one ten, plus one fifteen on Oregon. But I really like their guard play. That's a wager that I'm looking at. Um, anything that you've placed for the Sweet Sixteen or that you're looking to place in the Sweet Sixteen as far as a wager, Chip? I have not placed anything yet. I will look at it tonight uh, more closely. You know, I've, I've glanced at it, um, and <clears throat> what you know, just looking at the matchups, I'm trying to you know say, all right, well, who can who, who can realistically win as an underdog? Okay, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think Oregon State can win. I, you know, I don't think they're going to win. I think they can win. I think Syracuse can win. Yeah. I think Florida. I think Florida State can win, and I think Oregon can win. So you know. You play those four dogs, and you know if Oregon State or Syracuse wins, you're in good shape. Yeah, I think we just um, we just so, looked at it before this before the show. What's I'm, I'm trying to pull up Odd Shark right now. Um, I think Syracuse is plus two thirty on the money line right now. Plus, I've got them at plus two thirty five right now, go. and and now based on your tweet, they're going to the final four. So they're going to the final four. You know, we, like, yeah. If they're going, if they're going to the final four, then you know, tell your listeners grab all they want of that plus two thirty five. So at let's see at Bet Online right now they're plus two thirty five. At what is the site? I don't have. Oh, at Intertops Sports Betting. I've never used that site. They're at plus two forty. Um, yeah, I mean I'm on Syracuse all day. Um, the tweet that the chimp is referring to is I put out a three way parlay. Um, it was the first bet that I've made for this weekend. Syracuse money line, Baylor money line, and Gonzaga covering the thirteen and a half against Creighton. 
gets me almost seven to one. It's basically six ninety right now. So um, that hopefully you know, that'll start the weekend off right. Obviously, I won't get the results of that until Sunday. But um, yeah, I think that was a, that was a. I don't play a lot of parlays. I like to play teasers. I know Chimp's not a fan of the teasers, but um, uh, you know, I like to buy some points here. I'll sacrifice a few bucks to get a better line. But um, what uh, what what team, Chimp, that you saw, or you know, what was the biggest surprise to you? I guess if I already asked this, I'm sorry. What was the biggest surprise to you for the first weekend? Was it the obvious one in Oral Roberts getting a couple wins? Not, not really. I looked at it from just what I liked and what I didn't like. Uh, the, the best for me was um, Loyola mm-hmm. uh, and, and and Oregon State. Yeah, Th- those were the the two teams that I thought were just fantastic. And I listen. I, I have I have a love affair with Loyola. Have all year. I watched them early. Love the way they play. Um, so uh, I'm a little upset that those two are playing each other. One of them has to go home. Uh, okay, but the the worst uh, for me was um, uh, Texas and Purdue. Yeah, I mean that, that they absolutely were atrocious. And we talked about Shaka earlier. He's now you headed to Marquette. But I mean, listen, the talent discrepancy in that Texas game was unbelievable. Massive, Massive. and. No, it, was, it was unbelievable. So Texas and Purdue were the two worst worst teams. Now the worst game I watched uh, was uh, UConn and Maryland. Yeah, I mean it, that game was oh my god, it was bad, just awful, awful basketball. I I I watched about, and this is on me. I I know better. I you know watched this team play a dozen times this year, and somehow. I talked myself into thinking that North Carolina would give Baylor a game. And and this is what happens to me every year in the tournament. I get a little bit too fucking cute and I'm projecting out to maybe games that I want to see in the in the sweet 16 or the second round and it never works out that way. Wisconsin comes, you know, in and into Mackey and torches Carolina. Um, they're up 40 to 24 at the half. Carolina just Pissed it down their leg in a get. I mean, Wisconsin was terrible. I've been selling Wisconsin since late January. North Carolina seemingly hot rolling into that game. I loved the size um, of Carolina in their matchup with Baylor. I talked myself into it for two days, two three days leading up to the tournament, and they go out there and they lay a complete egg. Um, you know, Wisconsin hits thirteen threes. Um, you know, Carolina just. I it, it, I wonder if Roy Williams is, is kind of losing his touch a little bit. You know, we saw Walker Kessler transfer. He's going to end up at Gonzaga, I was I would assume. Um, I thought R.J. Davis was a transfer candidate, but apparently that's that's been put to bed. De'Ron Sharp's going to the NBA. Garrison Brooks is not returning. Um, there's Caleb Love smoke regarding him going back home. He's from Missouri. It came down to Missouri and North Carolina in the final two of his recruitment. Any any comments on what the hell's going on in Chapel Hill, Jim? I don't I don't really know what's going on in Chapel Hill, but I, this may be crazy what I'm about to say. <laughs> and let me preface what I'm about to say that I, I've always loved Roy Williams. Me too. I think he's a, I think he's a classy guy. 
Guys won, what, three national championships, done a great job at Carolina. But I was talking to, to our buddy Charlie Mano uh, over, you know, Twitter, and you know, I, I told uh, Mano that after the game, looking at him, he, he looks like he's done. I mean, he looks like he's 85 years old. So yeah. if, I was in, if I was in charge at Carolina, what I would do is I would go ahead and say that set up this succession plan and bring in Wes Miller. Yep. I would go ahead and do it right now because Wes Miller can coach. Yep. We know that. He is going to be the guy, in my opinion, no insider info. I don't know what's going on. There. That's what I would do. Yeah. Because I mean, he's had opportunities to leave and hasn't yet. He's waiting for North Carolina to open, in my opinion. I, I, and I, I would go ahead and do it and get a jump on the rest of these guys. You know, we talked about it before. You know, the, the, the league's coaches are getting on up there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if I was Carolina, I'd just go ahead and figure out how to – if if you want to give Roy one more year – to you know, make the farewell tour or whatever you want to do, but Wes Miller's the guy, and I would go ahead and get that done. Yeah, I, I think what Chimp's probably referring to is towards the end of that Wisconsin game, there was a shot of Roy Williams sitting in his chair on the sideline, and he's basically got his head down, and he's kind of got you know he's got the uh, the finger and the thumb, and he's just kind of rubbing the bridge of his nose, and he looks he looks just like a, a man defeated and. You know, because he's such a classy guy, he puts a great face on it in the press conference. And, you know, he's, nev- he's never going to get down on his kids. He's never going to, you know, and he- he's going to always own it himself. But, yeah, over the last couple of years, you can tell it's kind of wearing on him. Very similarly to how it's kind of worn on Mike Bray, who used to be a real jovial guy and, and still tries, but he's not quite to the level of-, of happiness that he was, you know, eight, ten years ago. So, um It'll be very interesting, as we've talked about multiple times on this show, you know, what the next two, three, four years brings as far as the coaches in, in the ACC. Um, looking ahead, you know, we get games starting again tomorrow. I'm excited. I know you're excited. Um, is there any particular matchup that you're kind of looking forward to that's going to be on the big screen for you? The very first game, uh, Oregon State and Loyola. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love watch Loyola play. And Oregon State is a team that I just root for. Yep. You know, it's such a tough place to win. I mean, your in-state rival has all the Nike money. You're Mm. competing with L.A. You're competing with Arizona, uh, Arizona State. Um, I mean, it's such a tough job. And it just, I don't know, it just makes me happy when they win. And, um, you know, our guy, Andy Dekoff, big Oregon State guy, so that gives us another reason to root for him. But that'll be the game that I'm most interested in. Uh, And then uh, the last game tomorrow, Syracuse-Houston, I think is is a fascinating game to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Houston is limited offensively, but, man, they've got some dudes that can lock you up. And if they lock up Buddy Boeheim – and they can score. They can score enough. That that game is very, very interesting to me. Yeah, the only thing that I worry about with Houston is, um, you know, obviously they're a very good offensive rebounding team, not a great defensive rebounding team. Which the offensive, you know, the, the hitting the offensive glass against Syracuse in that zone could, you know, potentially be the difference in the game. <sighs> the only problem is they're going to have to hit a lot of threes, I think, to beat Syracuse, and. 
you know, I like Quentin Grimes. Dejon Giroux, I'm not sure, is, is completely healthy, though he did play very well against Rutgers. And then you got Marcus Sasser, who's very, very Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I think the interesting thing about, about this game and what kind of draws me to Syracuse is... Um, whoops, how did I end up over here? Um, is, you know, Syracuse is winning and winning handily. And Alan Griffin, is, you know, <laughs> of course, the guy that I've touted, you know, for the last two weeks since the ACC all-conference teams came out. You know, he didn't play great against West Virginia, really, at all. Um, he had a goose egg in their first-round game against San Diego State. And I think that he is he's far too good to be held down for this long. You know, their last three games, he's had three points, zero points, and three points, which is fitting because, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a mush. But he's, he's way too good. To, for this to, to keep up. He's a big wing. He's bigger than you know a lot of the Houston wings. I expect a big game from Alan Griffin while uh, Houston kind of concentrates on Buddy Beheim. Not, not shuts him down, but holds him in check. And I think Syracuse, you're going to see a more well-rounded effort from Syracuse. I expect them to win that game. You know, and I thought about that, um, what, you know, looking at this matchup. I know you love Alan Griffin. You know, he you know, played well this year based on the stats, he is a guy in this game that I think is going to be incredibly important mm-hmm. because he he's a guy that can, you know, go toe-to-toe with these Houston guys. Yep. He, you know, I, he's a guy that will, I think, can flourish in a game like this, you know, where Houston's going to put a lot of pressure on Syracuse, be all over Bayheim and Gerard and those guys. So, you know, you're going to need Kadari Richmond and Griffin, uh, the, you know, two athletic guys to play well, yep. I think. Yep. Um, the other, the other game that I'm looking at very hard about wagering on, you know, coming into the tournament, I thought that Michigan was probably going to be the weakest number one seed without Isaiah Livers. Um, that has proven to be false as Illinois was the first one seed to lose. Whether or not they were the weakest, um, I'm not really sold on, you know, a matchup with Loyola Chicago. But then again, say, like I said on Twitter, save me your sob stories about, a bad matchup in the second round. If you're the best team in the nation, you got to beat, you know, you got to beat Loyola. So that's just the end of that shit. You can't just have the road be made for you. You eventually got to beat a team. They didn't beat the team. They're home now. But Michigan, you know, I I expected them to struggle a little bit more than they have without livers. Shawnee Brown, former Wake Forest player, has really stepped up for the Wolverines. Had 21 points against LSU. Hit some really, really timely shots in that game. And Brandon Johns Jr. has also played well for them. Um... Florida State is is always interesting because they're so long, they're so deep. They they kind of lack a superstar, but Raquan Gray is about as superstar as it gets since about late January, averaging about 15 points and 8 rebounds per game. You know, MJ Walker's going to hunt that corner 3. I love Scotty Barnes. Everybody knows it. He's going to play well. He's going to give Michigan some trouble somewhere, um even if it's just on the defensive end. But um I'm thinking about taking Florida State money line here. Um, what are your thoughts on this game and how these two teams match up? I think it's a fantastic matchup. Um, I think Florida State's one of those teams that um, they can probably beat anybody, mm-hmm. uh, and they've certainly proven they can lose to anybody. Sure, yeah, they lost lost to Notre Dame, or, so I, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I really do. Um, you know, good matchup. A lot of big athletic players. Um, 
there's no way I'm I'm gonna you know pay up to to play Michigan. I can tell you that. So the only play <laughs> for me there would be would be Florida State uh, or to win or or, or nothing. Uh, but that that's going to be a very very fun game to watch. Um, one money line. Let's see if that money line's up right now because I don't know why I didn't actually give this some thought before. But there's no way, absolutely no way that UCLA is beating Alabama. And I got to know what that money line is. So it's two thirty plus two thirty. Yeah, there, yeah. That's yeah. Bama, yeah, Bama money line is, geez, minus two seventy. That ain't even worth it. Um, uh, yeah, Alabama, I think is still the team to come out of this region. Um, I, I think UCLA's time is time is up. I think um, Houston's time is up. You know the great, the best story of the of the tournament, Oral Roberts. I think their time is up. I'm really looking forward to an Arkansas Baylor matchup in the South. I think Arkansas can score points. Um, they've got it's an interesting game for sure. Um, well, I hate I hate both I hate both those teams. So I'll be I'll be I'll be I'll be nauseous watching that game. What that one of those coaches has to actually go to the Final Four. <laughs> You're not a Muscleman guy. Uh, I, I can't stand him. Yeah, you're not on the must bus. Uh, no, I can't stand the guy. And I, I hate Scott Drew even worse than him. Yeah, you know it's funny. I always I always call back to an article on CBS Sports. They do those um, uh, anonymous coaching interviews for questions around the country at CBS. And I don't know if it's if it's Parrish or Norlander or whoever actually does it, but um, it always I always remember that they talked about Scott Drew at Baylor. And, you know, some coach just ran his ass into the ground. You know, he's a fraud. He's a phony. He pretends to be this religious family guy when in reality he's just a scumbag that drops bags. And um, it's, it's, it was kind of funny. And ever since then, he's done nothing but just dominate that program and, and bring them to a level that I never thought Baylor was actually capable of. So it's very interesting. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what to believe, but. Well, I know what I believe, and uh, but you know, a lot, a lot of good athletes. I, I would expect Baylor to, if that matchup uh, happens, I would expect Baylor to win. So as it sits right now, I know we gave some Final Four picks last week with Kobe. Um, again, tonight's just going to be a short show, guys. We just wanted to talk about some wagering, um, and then I want to, you know, what we've seen, what we're going to see, what we like, and uh, you know, throw out a couple picks. I'll give you my revised Final Four. My original Final Four was Gonzaga-Baylor. Um, I think I had Gonzaga-Baylor, Illinois, and Alabama was my original Final Four. Obviously, Illinois is no longer there. I'm going to stick with the three of them, Gonzaga-Baylor and Alabama. And I think I think Syracuse as an 11 comes out of the Midwest. I just, I mean, there's always the possibility that they come out and just lay a complete egg. Joe Girard doesn't play the way he's been playing the last week and a half, two weeks, or, you know, Alan Griffin continues to struggle. Um, obviously, injuries and the COVID situation are always hanging out there as well. But right now, I think Syracuse is the best team. They're the hottest team in the Midwest. I'm really looking forward to seeing Syracuse Loyola, hopefully in the Elite Eight. Um, you were a little hesitant on the last show to give out a Final Four. Do you feel comfortable giving out a Final Four tonight? Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I just... The, the the whole bracket thing when I looked at it was just an exercise in futility mm-hmm. for me because 
you know, there are teams that I like and there are teams that I don't like. Right. Illinois was a team that, uh, and I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here for yep. just a minute. Illinois is a team that when I watched them, I, I just, I don't know why I didn't like them, but I didn't like them. Mm-hmm. I like Brad Underwood. I think he's a fine coach, but I just never, something about them, I just didn't like them. Didn't like Ohio State. There's another example. They're out in the first round. Yep. So the whole bracket thing to me was just kind of a waste of time. And I know I sounded like an idiot on the show, and I'm sorry. But um, but now we're down to 16. I will give you four. I, I'm going to go uh, Loyola, uh, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Florida State. There it is. I I, I would love to see that Loyola-Baylor game. And I know you're you're a big loyal guy. You have an affinity for them. And I just found out a few seconds ago that you dislike Scott Drew and Baylor. So I know which side you're going to be on there. But that's going to be a grinded out dog fight, rock fight if that game comes to fruition. I, I'd be very interested in watching that game. Well, I just want Loyola to keep winning. Mm-hmm. And if if Oregon State somehow beats Loyola, um, I want them to keep winning. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I want Alabama out. We need them out as quickly as possible. Why is that? Because I can't stand them. <laughs> uh, they need to be You're an Auburn out. guy, right? That's, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know they're they're you know, um, you know if they make the Final Four, I mean you know how their football fans are. I mean my God, we'll never hear the end of it. Oh, so yeah. We need we need out we need Alabama out. We yeah. Need Matthew Travis. Or, shout out to Matthew Travis, who's a Duke basketball and an Alabama football fan. I mean, give me a fucking break, Matthew. But um, yeah, he'll be he'll be unrelenting on Twitter for sure. I might have to block him. <laughs> yeah, so those are my wishes. Uh, I want Loyola to, to 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 go as far as possible, and I, I want Alabama out. Yeah, I mean, if I I would love to see I would love to see Florida State Gonzaga match up. Uh, for those of you who remember Florida State not Gonzaga out of the tournament a few years ago. <clears throat> um. It's, you know, I just, how do you root against Leonard Hamilton at this point? I mean, the man is a, is a national treasure in the way that people pretend that Bill Walton is a national treasure. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I would love to see Florida State in the Final Four. I'm not sure they get the horses to, uh, you know, I'm not even sure they can beat Michigan. I'm looking at it hard, but it's not a, if I was to bet on that game, it's not a bet that I would feel very confident in. It might be a stay away game for me. You see... Florida State turned the ball over 20 times against Georgia Tech in the ACC title game. Not great, but then they come out and, you know, lay a whooping, an absolute ass-whooping on Colorado. Which, by the way, I have I have hated Georgetown forever. I mean, going back to the, the – you know, there's teams that you have that you have a – Chimp, I'm sure this is, this is something that you've experienced as well. There are teams that I have no explanation behind why I don't like them as programs – but if I'm ever watching them play, I'm always become a fan of the team that's playing them. I always want to see Georgetown lose. I always want to see Michigan State lose. Um, I'm trying to think of any other ones, and none of the other no other ones really come to mind right now. But like, if I ever watch New Mexico play, I'm always a New Mexico guy for whatever reason. Go back to when I was a kid watching the games that took place in the pit. Kenny Thomas was an absolute monster for the Lobos, but Georgetown fooled me. In the Big East tournament, they got me on their on their bandwagon for at least the the money making purposes, 
and they go out and completely shit the bed against a pretty one-dimensional Colorado team in the first round. I will never, ever in my life advance Georgetown past the round of 64 or place any fucking money on that team ever again. That's absolutely crazy. Well, we all have our reasons for liking, disliking, whatever. For me, it's either I don't like the school, the fan base, or the coach. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, pretty much does it for me. You know, Duke's on that list. Yep. Alabama's on that list. Kentucky's on that list. Um, so, you know, I don't know, looking at the, you know, looking at the games again, uh, the one game or team that I don't think has any chance at all is crazy. I think they're going to get their doors blown off. Yeah. I've been surprised that they have been able to keep it together as well as they have, given all that's going around in that program. Yeah, and you know they, you know they hung on and uh, and you played well against Ohio, uh, and that, and the, the rant I was going to go on earlier, uh, I, I just wanted to jump in and mention this too mm-hmm. because it's something that's been on my mind. Is it's interesting to me that all year, you know. You and I and everybody else's fans have been fed the narrative that the Big Ten and the mm-hmm. Big Twelve were the best were the best leagues. Yeah, and who fed us that narrative? ESPN fed us that narrative, sure. and they fed it to us and they shoved it down our throats all year long. And both of those leagues, it turns out, are not what everyone thought they were. Right. So I, you know that just one of the things that you know after watching and you and i you know we watch a ton and and everything but that that's one thing that just it, it bothers me that leagues get hyped and put on a pedestal and then those two leagues have absolutely been absolutely been exposed yeah. in this tournament yeah if you would have told me before the tournament that the pac-12 was going to have three teams in the sweet 16 i probably would have laughed in your face like you know, I thought I thought West Virginia was a Final Four contender. Done. Second round. I mean, in that game, that final score looks looks you know close at 75-72. That game wasn't that close. I mean, I, I think Syracuse had that game pretty well in hand for a lot of the game. Um, I, I just, you know, the, the ACC has as many teams in the Sweet 16 as the Big Ten and the Big 12 combined. That's, that's crazy. And then the Pac-12 has three teams, and one of them's Oregon State. I just there's some madness going on in this march. Well, and is it, but is it madness or is it just actually the way things are? Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it, we, you know, you hear Cade Cunningham this and the Big Twelve this. It's no so great and such a great league, and the Big Ten's dominant. It's bullshit. Yeah. All of it's bullshit, and we've seen that. So that's one of the things in the tournament that I've really honestly gotten a kick out of is that number one, ESPN's not covering the tournament. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. I think CBS. I think the announce most for the most part, the announcing crews have been good. I think the coverage has been good. Um, yeah. But again, you know, we just get spoon fed that narrative all season long, and now we have what we have. Yeah, I mean, luckily there's been no Reggie Miller in my life for this tournament, which is a great thing. <laughs> Um, no, Chris, no Chris Weber either. Yeah, you know, I feel I do feel bad for Andy Katz, who has to sit on that fucking Turner Broadcast Studio, um, you know, stage with three guys who have no idea 
about college basketball. Don't know the players, don't know the stories, don't know the background, don't know who's good, don't know anything. I mean, at least Charles Barkley adds some kind of, of humor to it that he has no fucking idea what the hell he's talking about when it comes to these kids. Um, one other thing that kind of sticks out to me, you know, teams in the Sweet 16, you know, we every year all we hear about is the recruiting classes at Kentucky, the recruiting classes at Duke, the recruiting classes at wherever. And if you look at this Sweet 16, Gonzaga, ton of seniors. Creighton, ton of seniors. Oregon, upperclassmen. Michigan, upperclassmen. Florida State, upperclassmen. Baylor, led by whatever it is, four four four-year guys. Villanova, um, a mix of both, but still a lot of upperclassmen. Arkansas is led by a freshman. Oral Roberts is full of four-year guys. Loyola Chicago, upperclassmen. Oregon State, upperclassmen. Syracuse, older players. Houston, older players. Alabama's got a pretty good mix of both, but they're just supremely talented. So, you know, the trend that we're seeing in this tournament is, hey, you know, Cade Cunningham, you might be the number one pick in the draft, but you're done in the round of 32 to a team that is is old, they're wise, they play hard, they know their system, they rebound the basketball, and they make their free throws. So, um, you know, star power is a great thing as far as TV ratings, but as far as what uh, is conducive to wins in the tournament, I think it's still it's still experience, it's still composure, and it's great coaching and great guard play. I can tell you this, I won't remember anything that Cade Cunningham has done in his one year of college basketball, but I'll remember who advances in this tournament. Mm-hmm. I'll remember Cameron Crutwood. Yep. I'll remember how he plays. Uh, you'll remember uh, watching Gonzaga. And, and But, you know, these one-year guys that get all the hype, you know, it, it, that's exactly what it is. It's hype. It's the ESPN hype machine is all it is. By the way, we haven't, we haven't spoke about it, and I agree with you. ESPN drives a lot of that. I try to stay away from ESPN as much as I can, but you know their system, their, their platform broadcasts so many college basketball games that if you're a college basketball fan, you can't really get away from them. Uh, one thing I do want to comment, and then we'll get out of here, is this was the first year that I intently watched the first four and was it was a, it was a quartet of fantastic games. Like I, I didn't get to watch the Michigan State UCLA game as much as I would like to have, um, because it, it tipped off at whatever it was nine thirty nine forty five, and you know my old ass has to get up at four thirty five o'clock in the morning. But um, even the sixteen seed playing games, Norfolk and App State, that was a great game. Wichita State and Drake was a good game, and then you know even even the Mount and Texas Southern. Now, what sucked was I was wrong. I was on the wrong side of all three games. If you guys watched the uh, the Sports Two Point um, episode that I was on. It was episode two on YouTube, but I got every damn game wrong. But the level of basketball and the intensity in those games was great to watch. It was a nice mix of mid-majors, low-majors, high-majors, and I uh, got to see some players that we wouldn't see otherwise. So that was a good time. I thought the first four was very well done. I like that they played all four games in the same night. Gave it a real tournament feel to it. Um, so yeah, hopefully they continue to, to do the first four like that. I really enjoyed that as well. Listen, man, who gives a shit if you were wrong? Just keep hitting those parlays and you'll be fine. <laughs> That's right. That's easier said than done. I, I had a, a pretty foolish one on the board today that I clicked cancel on. I just, you know, I, it's, it has to be some bit of logic to it. And I was just kind of, I think it ended up, it was a four-team parlay. Gonzaga covering, uh, Florida State money line, Baylor money line, Syracuse money line, I think. And I think it was paying at... 2600 plus 2600 something like that 
and I just couldn't do it. I, I don't know if I believe in Florida State enough to place a wager on them right now, but um, I'll take the 7-1, to one and I'll be happy with that if it hits. Syracuse plus 235. You better be on that. Yeah, that's a lock, baby. That's lead pipe lock. All right, man. I thank you for taking the time to join me tonight. I, uh, you know, of course, we'll keep in touch over the weekend. We'll be back next week. I invited a very special guest um, to hopefully join us next week. Next week will be probably the last podcast of the season for us. I'm going to take a nice long break after that. And uh, we'll see what happens. So, uh, again, for the chimp, uh, any any parting comments? Just uh, hope everyone wins all their bets and uh, hope everyone enjoys the game. Games up. <laughs> all right, man. I'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, Mike. Later.